We're delighted to be joined now by Darren Cleary. Uh, Darren, I know that it's been a, a really good start to the season uh, for Shelburne. Uh, real positivity, like Treaty United, unbeaten at the start of the season. So, I, as I said, I assume the, the mood is all positive in Shelburne at the minute. Yeah, Adrian, it's really good at the moment. But I, I think there was an immense amount of pressure on Shelburne, obviously having uh, one of the larger budgets effectively going full time, um, recently relegated and and the owner and the manager had kind of set out their stall. They'd made their, their goals clear that it was straight back up. And with that comes an incredible amount of stress. So the start of the season, it's a, it's a goalless draw in Galway you know, playing most of the game with 10 men, decent result. You go into the Bray game at home. It's a it's a 3-3 draw where, you know, it's never nice to concede three at home. And the start was a little bit ropey, but unbeaten to be fair. And then that couple of games winning streak has just bred quite a bit of confidence. Yeah, certainly the case. And, and you mentioned it really, but on to, on to my next point. Um, last season's relegation was, was very disappointing uh, for the club, Darren, obviously. Um, from the outside looking in, it was kind of a case of it felt like the club, although they were never safe from relegation at any point during the season, it was almost like the club had sleepwalked into relegation in the last maybe six to seven, eight games even of, of the season. And it was probably a really disappointing outcome for everyone involved. Yeah, it was hugely disappointing. It's funny, I met a friend of mine. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. Obviously, we we worked together for a long time and I'd gone to a different uh, job and I'm back uh, in the same building as him. And he's a Bose fan. And the first thing he said to me, having not seen me in two years, was, I mean, he's must be raging. He got relegated last year. So uh, the Bose fa- fans will, will never let you have a minute's peace over it. It was bitterly disappointing. I think... It's taken a while to come to terms with it, but when you look at some of the positives, um, relegation can cause you know catastrophic things at a club. It can it can be a killer for some clubs. It can be at the point where everything goes back to basics and you're nearly restarting. With Shelburne, it wasn't that complete destruction. Um, I think had the game had the season been the full games program. I think we would have had enough to stay up. Um, you you say it exactly right. It felt like we sleepwalked into relegation because particularly after the wins over Waterford and Sligo, there was a sense that we would be safe and it would require Finn Harps to do something miraculous in the last sequence of games to, to haul themselves above us. And to be honest, that's what Finn Harps do at that time of the season. Um, they they had an incredible run, uh, which they, they, they can always pull out of the fire. And while relegation was bitterly and, and brutally disappointing, I think it didn't undo an awful lot of the hard work that had been un- done behind the scenes last season in, in building the club up. Um, and hopefully with, with promotion this season, if it's to be, if it comes, um, it would leave Shells back on track and, and building on some of that good work done at, at all levels. Yeah, although, Darren, there's obviously, you know, four playoff positions, you see it last year as well, four playoff positions, then you have, you know, one automatically uh, going up and, and guaranteed promotion. Obviously, there is, as you mentioned, a, a lot of pressure now on Ian Morris, who I mentioned at my podcast, there will be pressure on him to, to hit the ground running in this division. And certainly for Shelburne, it's it's either boom or bust. It, it's promotion or, or good luck in, in some respects, Darren, for, for Morris and the coach staff, you'd imagine, this season. Yeah, and I think they're fully aware of that pressure. Um, last season, there was probably an admittance at the end of the season. There was a lot of soul-searching done that 
maybe the management group didn't have the the right mix of characters needed at, at a crucial time when the pressure was on. Maybe there wasn't enough experience in that dugout to help try and steer through that 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 difficult time. Craig Sexton was the one who ultimately paid the price. He was uh, dropped from the management ticket and replaced with Alan Reynolds. Um, Alan Reynolds is a very impressive character. We've seen what he's done at League of Ireland level. He has that ability to connect and bring the best out of players. It's why Mikey O'Connor chose Shelburne when he would have had many, many options around the country. And I think having that experience in the dugout will be a huge help to Ian. I don't think it undermines him. I, I think it actually makes his position uh, that bit stronger. But he will be under no illusions that right now his his CV reads one promotion suffered relegation. So there's a real sense of this will be a defining season for him because if he can get Shelburne promoted, his CV is in a, is in a good shape. If with one of the largest budgets, with one of the best squads on paper, he fails to do that, well, there will be strong questions asked, not just by the fan base, but I'm sure by the ownership group of of where to next for Ian and if he is the right man to, to do the job if the club fail to get promotion. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned there Michael O'Connor, Darren. Uh, he started the season well from what I've seen on the LOI TV and is an imposing presence at this level. He's one of those players that has frustrated me in, in the past, you know, like many other maybe League of Ireland players and that he's never been able to settle at one club. Uh, I had, had a few Premier Division clubs, obviously was at Ross County, I believe, as well. Um, and then he's, he's now, you know, has to, you know, has to make an impression this season at Shelburne on a, on a consistent basis, you feel. Yeah, he feels for me like the kind of player that if he's happy, you will get the best out of him. And I think that's one of the reasons Alan Reynolds was able to entice him to come to Shelburne because he was a manager who facilitated him and he's a great character for putting an arm around the shoulder and and really making players feel valued and feel the love and and trying to, to build up the confidence. I, I get the sense that if he's a happy player, you'll see the best of him. And you can see in the, the the first few games, you know, he, he looks to be playing with that that bit of spirit, that bit of freedom. There's a great camaraderie in that group. Um, we see it, obviously, because we, we get to travel the country with them and we get to be in the empty grounds. You get a much better sense and a feel for for what kind of a, a bond there is within the players, even even having a, a nose on their Instagram. You can see that outside of playing for the club, they are mates, they socialise. And I, I think that's very, very important. It's not too dissimilar to some stuff I picked up on LOI TV, watching Treaty. You can see that camaraderie. You can see those boys are are playing for each other. And the scenes that, you know, full time after, after the two wins, um, you got a sense that, you know, there's an unbelievable dressing room there and there's an incredible unity being built because the the pressure is off in many ways for Treaty because very little was expected of them. So I think those boys, similar enough to Shells this season, um, will relish trying to trying to live up to expectations and exceeding them. Yeah, it's actually a good comparison you make while you were speaking. That was what exactly what I was going to say is that it does seem very similar to 3D United in, in that respect. Obviously, there was a lot of experienced uh, signings made, Darren, for, for Shelburne. But there's a very good mix, isn't there, of, of youth and experience as well. I know you have like Brendan Clark, Ali Gilchrist, Kevin O'Connor would be definitely considered experienced at this level anyway, for sure. But then you also have Shane Farrell, who started brilliantly. You know, he was involved in, in two goals, got a great goal himself against Kevin Teeley, Dale Rooney, players like that that are making an impression at Shelburne. So there is a very good mix by the looks of it from the outside. 
Yeah, there is. And I, I think one of the toughest jobs as a manager is trying to, to keep that dressing room happy because you're going to have guys who aren't playing who would be playing in, I would say, almost every other first division team. I mean, I couldn't believe Ian's bench the other day. He managed to start on the bench with Ryan Brennan, Yo-Yo Maddy, um, Quinn, uh, you know, John Ross Wilson, uh, Chetner and, and Luke Byrne. And I mean, they're kind of guys who, you know, Luke, Luke Byrne was was courted by many teams in the Premier not too long ago. He had an offer to go back to uh, to go back to the Premier and, and play with St. Pat's, among others. So um, to have that kind of quality on the bench really shows the the depth of the squad. But the flip side of it is you've lads like Brian McManus playing and he, he's quite young. And, you know, he there's an awful lot of, I guess, pressure on on his shoulders to keep those more established players out of the team. And we, we spoke to Ian afterwards. He did an interview up in Stradbrook and he waxed lyrical about McManus for a while, for a couple of minutes about, you know, his presence. He got, he got booked after 20 minutes in the Cabo game and then didn't put a foot wrong for the rest of the game, but still managed to, you know, get his tackles in, be aggressive, be in people's faces. But the game management and the maturity he's shown uh, over the last few weeks he's been involved is, is, is really wonderful to see. And it's funny, after Ian had spent, you know, two or three minutes complimenting him, he kind of said, maybe take some of that stuff out when you edit down this interview. So I don't want people to, to realize how highly we rate this guy because we don't want him on too many people's radar. We like the idea of, of him going in under the radar. And it's like you say there, Adrian, it's having those young players, but with that mix of experience and um, guys like your Michael Barkers, your, your Kevin O'Connor's Ali Gilchrist as well. And um, that, that experience is critical, but I think they enable the young players, particularly the likes of Shane Farrell, who scored, you know, two and two. And, and the last one um, against Cabin Tilly was spectacular, whether it was a cross or a shot, uh, we haven't decided, but I, I, I think like the, a shot the, to me, I will say, I, I thought it was a shot, to be honest, because of the way he shaped up and mm. um, I'm giving him the benefit of the, of the doubt. I think if he celebrated, uh, he would have got away with calling it a shot. It was the non-celebration that sowed the seeds of doubt. Yeah, he was hardly that confident, I'd imagine, after scoring a goal like that, <laughs> which, uh, to not celebrate. So you're probably right. Um, it's it's funny, I mentioned it to Tommy Barrett on Monday when I was speaking to him uh, before the game, the the 3D manager, that he'll find it difficult, I suppose, when he's you know scouting Shelburne through the LOI TV to, to see a formation and to pin down who he thinks is going to play for Shelburne tomorrow evening because looking at it, it was like he changed shape a few times. You have maybe a 3-4-1-2, 4-2-3-1s, and it's, it seems to be very flexible and fluid, uh, Darren. What do you think uh, is likely to, for Dean, Ian Morris to play now uh, tomorrow evening? We've gone to a traditional back four for the last two games, and I think it's brought that bit of defensive solidity that um, was probably missing, particularly in the Bray game where, you know, you ship three goals at home. It's it's never really ideal. Um, one area of exploitation, you know, if, if I'm Tommy Barrett, I'm looking at Maxi Coogan and um, he's made two mistakes that have directly led to goals in games over the last few weeks. Um, he's, he's particularly more vulnerable when he's playing in a back three. Obviously, when the back four, there's that, that little bit more protection of, of of that system but it's hard to say I, I think because Ian has got joy uh, down in Turner's Cross and in Stradbrook by by kind of reverting to a more traditional setup um, I would expect him to to go with you know a back four again um, I, I think the way they're playing at the moment with the wingers they have pace they have width in the team and um, that's something they're they're trying to exploit 
Mikey O'Connor will particularly do an awful lot of hard running. Um, Shane Farrell is, is really, really direct, as is Dale Rooney. And um, you've got lads like McManus and, and, and Lunny who will, who will anchor that midfield. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to pin down exactly what Ian will go with, but I can't see him now. I think the switch to the flat back four was in response to and uh, maybe some defensive frailties that came with playing three at the back and maybe not having the the correct players to get away with playing three at the back. And I, now that I think he's switched, I'd be very surprised if he, if he goes the other way, to be honest. Yeah, one of the big inform matchups that will happen tomorrow evening will be uh, Shane Farrell coming up against Mark Ludden. Darren, because Mark Ludden has been an outstanding, outstanding performer, excuse me, for a treaty at the start of the season at left back. He really has had a great influence, which you know yourself, I suppose, it, it's hard as a left back at times to have a great influence on a team, but you can just see the influence Ludden's had, and, and that does promise to be a big matchup tomorrow evening. It will be, and they're the kind of matchups you really relish, Adrian, because you have two players banging form who will, will relish the idea of coming up against each other. I think Shane Farrell. When he's playing with confidence, when he is playing wide, I mean, there's there's a there's an internal argument of at shells of you know where he's best deployed. Is it you know through the middle or is it getting him out wide? And I I think at the moment that's the, that's the place for him. Coming up against a lad like Ludden who is banging form and is is enjoying his football. We spoke about the importance of having that that camaraderie and that happiness. Um, I I think it's going to be a really good game. I. I'm not even sure how I'd call it at this point um, because it's just so, it's so difficult. Um, I think there'll probably be a good bit of shadow boxing. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. To be honest, I've written off 3D probably in a, uh, you know, the uh, psychological games when I've talked to other people like it. But, you know, when, when they went to Galway, they quitted themselves really well. Probably should have got the win in the end, although a draw, you could have said a draw was a fair result considering Galway's possession in the second period. Um, I'm probably doing the same tonight, but there is a feeling uh, for tomorrow evening that this is probably a step up again for Treaty, just because of the form Shelburne have been shown in the last three games. You can see as well by the bookmakers, Darren, they're putting Treaty at 10-1, to 1, I saw today. And and that does suit Treaty, you know, and Tommy Bard has said that on a couple of occasions recently, you know, to be written off altogether, it certainly suits them. So is there a fear uh, for Shells maybe going into that game? Although, you know, they're probably going into most games at this level uh, as hot favourites, really. Yeah, I, I think they'd be really, really foolish. And I, I think there's more professional professionalism in that group than to to write off 3D. It would be a very, very silly thing to do. I mean, even going back to, you know, the first game of the season for you guys out in the, the Carlisle grounds, that's a very credible result to to hold Bray nil-nil um, and to spend it wasn't like that you were living with Bray for large portions of the game. It was a very, very even contest. And you know, the, the sharing the spoils was was the, the fair result. And Bray are, are, are a good side. I think they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts at season's end. Similarly enough, I mean anyone who sees Wexford results assumes Wexford are rubbish, but um it's not easy to beat them. You know, they 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 can be well organized. They're 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 starting to find a way to play against teams to make themselves difficult. You know, they sit in, they almost play with a, a back six at times and they try and they try and grab you on the counter. So the one nil win over Wexford is a is a massive victory for 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 Treaty. And then of course, you know, Cork, they've had their struggles, but it's still Cork City. And to 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 be able to to get that that notch on the belt is 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 a big win. So I, I think I would be under no minds or no illusions that Shelburne would be would be silly enough or foolish enough to expect anything less than than a really tough game. And it was something that, you know, particularly after the first two games when it was draws going into the Wexford match, and there was almost an expectation from 
I call them the people who watch football matches but don't see them. They're the ones that assume because a team is bottom of the table and they don't have any points yet, they're just rubbish and you'll beat them 6-0. And that's just probably not how this this league will will pan out over the course of it. Like Wexford will cause teams problems as 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 you guys would have seen. They they're 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 no dummies. They they won't just roll over for you. They'll make life very, very difficult for you. Cove similar enough will will do that too, even though they haven't had a, a wonderful start by by their own kind of ambitions for this year. So I definitely think that Treaty will get the respect that they they should have got at the start of the year but probably didn't. There was maybe a bit too much made about the fact that, you know, they began with a, a point on the road and then followed it up with a win. But I don't think at, at this stage with, you know, what six games played, five games played, anyone will be, will be surprised by what Treaty can do anymore. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's, it's a wide open division, Darren. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned Wexford as well. I was very surprised to see that they've still continued not winning games since because I was very impressed with them at the markets field actually and as uh, the treaty coaching staff said they could have easily won it never mind drawn the game so to lose it would have been bitterly disappointing uh, for them you mentioned Cove as well I mean it's going to be rare that you'll have results in this division all year like you saw with maybe UCD beating Kevin Teeley 4-1 and that has been rare and it looks like it will be rare for the whole season because you also expect maybe you know the likes of Cork City like you said to, to get better and if they don't there'll probably just be a change in management and with that comes a bounce anyway so like that bad form won't go on forever so it will be a very difficult division to call for at least another maybe round around the games at least Oh 100% and you're spot on about Wexford because I think the trouble they gave Shells at Talca you know we, we bet them 1-0 as well and it could have very easily been a draw and in a lot of ways it was take the three points run and, and never look back because yeah. that could have easily gone the other way. For me, the, the competitiveness of the vision is completely illustrated by the fact that Wexford are bottom of the table with no points because they put in their, their return doesn't match some of the performances or parts of the performances they put in. They will get better. They will get stronger and they'll start taking points. And um, similarly enough, you're dead right about Cork. What will happen is if, if this continues, I think they're, they'll act pretty quickly because if they are to have a promotion push, they would nearly need to be picking up points in the next two or three games. And if that doesn't happen straight away, you're into to replacing the management team. And there's already been changes with obviously the assistant manager departing the setup. So mm-hmm. that might be the, the kind of, sh- the, the first kind of block to fall in a, in a shakeup. But I, I definitely you would be mad to try and predict what will happen. Like Galway as well will be massively disappointed with their start. Um, Big talk about them. Caulfield was talking about full time. Their return has been really, really poor, you know, to be, to be the position they're in after, after their four games, Uh, obviously, you know, they, the, the game against Cabin Teeley, they would have uh, got the gimme from that, but it's, it's such a strange season for them to be in that position. They'll come back stronger. And Bray with the quality they have, if they can keep a hold of Kavanagh and keep them playing well, they'll climb up the table. So um, Athlone will be the interesting one for me. Do they fall away? Will they be able to sustain the challenge? Um, I unfortunately have experience of being utterly devastated by playing against Athlone last year in, in the Cup where they made a complete show of us and humiliated us. So um, I'll never take that 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 fixture for granted again. I'll it's I'll be terrified the next time we play. Us tomorrow, Darren. Oh, I tell you, I, I still have nightmares about Dean George. Um, I don't know if anyone has ever had 
as a, a single an exceptional game in their in their <laughs> career. Like just this one off majestic performance is probably what got him the the move down to Limerick. You know, it's put him on the radar. It did, it did, because I know that you know he wouldn't have been he was wasn't prolific by any stretch before that, and and his name was remembered by everyone because of that as well afterwards. Um, it's it's. I'm looking at it there, and I don't want to leave you go without without mentioning uh, this as well, Darren. That there is obviously a movement. It's a uh, save Talca Park, I believe, uh, that's looking to to stop the takeover of Talca Park by developers and stop the demolition of Talca Park, which is obviously an iconic ground. I mean, it's one of my favorite grounds in the league, and I'm really excited about going uh, tomorrow evening to it. Uh, how is how is that coming along, and and uh, how is the fight going for uh, to save Talca Park as such? Yeah, I've I've followed it on from the outside myself. I'm not hugely familiar with with how it's been organized, but I've been hugely impressed with it because any kind of any kind of grassroots movement, anything that coordinated, uh, requires an incredible amount of effort and precision to pull off. And um, on Friday, I was in Stradbrook and I saw the FAI put up their their tweet, self congratulating Jonathan Hill, and it was almost like he went and and took the money out of the UEFA bank vault himself the way they were saying he's Jonathan Hills managed to get us 500 grand for legacy off UEFA but the I remember scrolling down through the replies and the first 100 or 50 or 150 200 replies were all the save Tolka Park simple white graphic and it was incredible to see um so many people care and I, I think I think that's something that that's not lost the save Tolka Park campaign it's not necessarily about Shelbourne Football Club. It's not necessarily about the future of Shelbourne Football Club. And from what I can see, they're not trying to stop the move to Daily Mount. I think there's an understanding that, you know, the club has made agreements with Dublin City Council and Bohemians and the league and the FAI and all the various stakeholders that Shelburne and Bowes will ground share at a redeveloped Daily Mount Park. So this Save Talca Park movement is independent of that. It's not trying to, to stop the Daily Mount project. It's not trying to influence the Daily Mount project. It's on its merits. It seems to be just, you know, Talca Park is a cultural landmark for, for sports fans, not just in Dublin, but, you know, people from Limerick, people from Cork, people from Galway, you have many, many memories there. You know, it's, it's, it's in situ 80, 80 odd years and, um, it was built by, you know, John Giles' father and Eamon Dunphy's father would have been people, you know, who laid the foundation blocks down on Ballybock or on the Riverside Stand. So I, I think it's it's really, really important as a as a society. We probably ask the questions of what kind of cities do we want to live in? Do we want to live in cities and towns that are hotels and apart hotels and co-living spaces and office spaces or do we want to live in cities that have resources for kids, for families, for football fans to, to enjoy their city and enjoy their community? And if we do want to live in cities like that, I think protecting places like Talca Park, the Marketsfield, Turner's Cross, Daly Mount, Richmond Park, you name it, all of the grounds, these are these are these are cultural places. These are places that the cities need. They're so important to the communities. They could be the linchpin of communities and, you know, whatever ground it is, be it Talca, be it Daily Mount. I am, I am for trying to keep those. I, I think we don't need any more hotels. We don't need any more co-living spaces or multinational office spaces. We need places that 
that people can bring their their friends, their family, their kids and, and places where they can they can get involved in the community. So I, I'm very heartened to see the Save Talca Park campaign looking out and uh, looking from the outside in on it. And I'd love if it was the kind of campaign that got more traction outside of Dublin and and maybe places like Limerick and Cork and Galway and, and Cavan and Monaghan and you name it and um, could get involved in, in something and, and trying to protect a, a ground that means an awful lot to Shelburne fans and to... To Limerick fans, you you've probably had better nights there than we have at times. I was actually um, I was going to mention it, Darren. I've I've had some some mixed nights. I remember the last time we were there, we, we lost seven nil. It was the night you were getting promoted, actually, Shelburne, seven uh, nil, and there was betting slips being thrown on it when it was Limerick FC. Uh, yeah, to the players over the match fixing uh, allegations at the time, and then obviously there was the one in two thousand and eight where it was more of a a real bitterness out of out of Limerick FC players and in, in that there was massive celebrations to stop you getting promoted in the last minute with Colin Scanlon, which I'm sure he wouldn't like to discuss too much. <laughs> no, and I think Tommy Barrett was the captain of that team. He was, wasn't he? yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, yeah. So he should still be on the list of people who are barred from Talca Park. Yeah, he's trying, he's trying his best to distinguish between Treaty and Limerick FC, but I don't know if he'll get away with it that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it was, was it Limerick 37 or on that it was occasion. Actually still, I think it might have just been changing at the time, but it, it was just changing at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could call it any name you want, but the heartbreak is still there. <laughs> yeah. It's still real. And I haven't got over it. But like, there's grounds like that that, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you support. You, you carry those memories with you. You carry them. You know, they're, they're part of who you are and what you're about and, and why we love this league. And I just think if we can keep as many of these grounds as possible as football grounds long into the future, I don't think that just benefits Shelburne's first team or, or Shelburne Football Club. I think that benefits the league. I think it benefits football fans and it should benefit uh, large parts of the community as well. Because I, I, I genuinely think having a, a club in your community is great for it. Yeah, certainly. And on a final note, Darren, uh... LOITV has obviously been a real hit and I know that you've been on uh, commentary duty yourself. Uh, will you be on commentary duty for tomorrow evening where obviously one of these teams will be coming out uh, disappointed, I suppose, unless it's a draw or their unbeaten runs will continue. But uh, are you on duty yourself tomorrow? I am on duty myself tomorrow. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's always nice to, to actually watch the games in that way because um, the way football is done now you know you go to a ground and you're kind of separated from people and you have the mask on and you know it's not the kind of football you you, you would know and you would love where you'd be sitting beside a friend or a family member and you'd kind of watching the game together and sharing it so I love the idea of being able to talk to someone about the game even if they don't talk back to me <laughs> yeah I know I know the feeling there and thanks very much for joining us Darren it's been a great chatting to you um I obviously obviously we you think something might have to give tomorrow, and I hope it certainly hope it's Shelburne's uh, unbeaten record. But you know, you'd you'd never know. Um, it's it's going to be a very tough game for Treaty. But uh, thanks for joining us, and it was great to, to hear your insight to it. I'll be honest, Adrian. I'd probably take a draw now. <laughs> That's definitely mind games, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Darren. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>